Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, St. John preaches to us. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The church father, Jerome, said that when the apostle John was in his old age, he was so weak and frail that he had to be carried into church to worship. And after receiving the sacrament, John would be helped to his feet, and he would be asked to give a word of exhortation to the congregation. And each time, St. John would repeat the same little sermon. Little children, let us love one another. According to Jerome, some disciples, they grew a little tired of the same sermon. And they finally asked him why he always said the same thing over and over. And old John replied, because it is the Lord's commandment. And if, and if this only is done, it is enough. I think in our own day, we might resonate with those early disciples. We too might be more than a little confused by this word love and what it all means. After all, we've got yard signs all over town with slogans like love wins and all sorts of other confusing propaganda. The Apostle has such things in mind when he, when he writes, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because love can never be opposed to the truth of God's word. Now admittedly, when it comes to unpacking John's little sermon on love, we're at something of a disadvantage right out of the gate here. After all the Greeks, as some of you know, they have four different words for love, and we're just stuck with one. So you can say, I love my parents, I love my university, and I love pizza. But none of those statements obviously gets near to what John is preaching tonight. So St. John, he lays it right out there. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. In other words, where love is concerned, our love is never the starting point, but always God. John would also say, love is from God, and quite simply, God is love. Therefore, the type of love that characterizes God is not a sappy, sentimental feeling, which we often hear portrayed to us. God loves because it is his nature and the very expression of his being. God loves the unlovable, and he loves the unlovely. And not because we deserve to be loved or because of any excellence that we possess, but he loves because it is his nature. I just love this with the account of the prodigal son. Remember, he strays from his father's house, literally squanders the family fortune and farm, and finally he comes to his senses when he hits rock bottom. And before the prodigal son can even 
get his confession off of his lips. There's his father just running after him, double-timing it, dressing him up to the nines and throwing a feast in his honor. I just love asking the catechumens why the father would ever do such a thing. Usually they try to overthink the answer at first, something fancy or theological, but they always end up eventually getting it. Why does the father treat the son so well? Well, he's his son, they say. The father loves him. And that's it. The word that John uses for love today is agape love. And that's a different type of love. God does not merely love. Instead, he is love itself. It's foundation. It's source. And it's very incarnation. Because in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, love has come to us, come down to us. And this agape love is a living, breathing, dying, and rising love who bore your sins on Calvary's tree and rose to set you free and free to live before him in perfect righteousness and innocence and blessedness all until he comes again. But in the meantime, right now, God's got you right where he wants you. In this temporal life, in your vocation, where you are right now, it is a place of service for loving and serving your neighbor. St. John writes to you tonight, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Dear Christians, I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking of this love as some sort of special tingly feeling or a friendly sentiment you might be able to drum up within yourself. That's not it. Luther would preach to his folks and say essentially, hey, don't you know God, he doesn't need your love. God doesn't need your good works. But your neighbor, he sure does. And though we may all speak of serving God in our vocations, we do not, strictly speaking, serve God. Because God, he always, always serves us. So we love our neighbors. And by neighbor, we're not talking about hypotheticals here or abstractions. We Christians mean the actual human beings whom God has placed in and around you in your life, in your daily calling. Our Lord says, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. You see? Therefore, for us Christians... Love can never be some sort of theological abstraction. And it begins in the household of faith, right here among us. In the church, pastors are to love and to serve their members. The Christians are to pray for their pastors and also to pray for one another. Members of the choir and other church musicians 
So they served the rest of the congregation by using their God-given talents to help us praise God, the rest of us. We pass out bulletins. We serve on committees. We bring food for tired mothers and fathers with newborn babies. We reach out to someone new with a little small talk at coffee hour. Doesn't seem like anything too special. But these are just a few concrete manifestations by which Christians express their love for one another. And it matters. They are real expressions of the communion of saints. They are sanctified, these works, by God and blessed by Him when they are done in faith. And it isn't, we don't do these things to butter up God. Again, He doesn't need your love, and God does not need your good works. But your neighbor, He sure does. He is in need. You worship at the altar of your neighbor. And we've got so much in Scripture which proves again and again that we serve and honor God by loving each other, truly loving each other. You should know that no one has written in a more wonderful way on the relationship between faith and love as the blessed Dr. Martin Luther. I want you to listen to this little gem from the freedom of the Christian in the year 1520. Luther writes, Therefore, every Christian ought to think in this way, although I am an unworthy and condemned person, my God has given me in Christ all the riches of righteousness and salvation. Without any merit on my part, out of pure free mercy, so that from now on I need nothing except faith, which believes that this is true. Why should I not therefore freely, joyfully, with all of my heart, and with an eager will, do all things which I know are pleasing and acceptable to such a Father who has overwhelmed me with his precious riches? Therefore I will give myself as a little Christ to my neighbor, just as Christ offered himself unto me. I will do nothing in this life except what I see is necessary, profitable, and salutary to my neighbor, since through faith I have an abundance of all good things in Christ. Once again, we see here that the free, unmerited justification of the sinner by faith in the Son of God stands at the center of all good works and at the center of all love. Agape love, God's love, sacrificial, self-giving, cross-bearing love that does all things freely and joyfully for the sake of others, expecting nothing in return. That's the love of Christ. So I want you to think again about old John the Apostle frail and aged and weak and preaching that same little sermon. Little children, let us love one another. Let us all not grow impatient as we hear those same words and the same sermon 
which we all need to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.